Oh, hello there. I didn't expect you in anime heaven. Oh, oh no, this is terrible. It seems you've choked on a nendroid part while you were assembling it. How did that even get in your throat? I digress. It is I, Megan, the anime goddess of mobage anime. As you see, I've got a very tempting explanation offer for you. You see, we can reincarnate you into Dub Talklandia, a magic world of anime where all your tastes are fulfilled. But before you go there, there are just a couple of rules about the powers that you could get. Uh, just remember that in Dub Talklandia, in certain places, that there are language and situations that may not be suitable for all adventurers, and that adventurers' discretioning is advised. Also, there's one part that has uh, spoilers for all of By the Grace of the Gods and any other anime. So adventuring, adventuring here, maybe you want to stay in the starter town for a bit until you get a little bit more knowledge, then head off. And remember that everybody in Dub Talk Landia's opinion is that of their own and do not reflect the kingdom as a whole. Now, I know I am the goddess of mobage anime. A couple of our other anime uh, gods are just out doing their thing. Oh, you want to talk to the god of big mommy milkers. Oh, um, oh dear. I think they're, they're, I think that they're somewhere out there. I don't, I don't know. Oh, 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 you're just going to go. Oh, 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 okay. Bye. Have a nice life. Uh, oh, well. Welp, back to playing Token Rambu. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where we get sent to another world to live out our power fantasy, telling capitalism to fuck off. I mean, chill with slimes. Um, I'm Megan. <laughs> no lustos. See, si, hooray! <laughs> I'm Megan, and with me today I have my two faithful tamers, uh, Roots of Justice, aka Patrick. Hello, hello. And Amon. Uh, the show gets a ten because it's about slimes, and the slimes are cute. Slime design is very important in shows like this, and they they do it. <laughs> it's the dragon. It's the Dragon Quest I, law. Look at their little faces. How can you not love them? They're just adorable in a, a, a sphere with three three dots. They look like the Princess Mononoke things that twitch their head but slimes. <laughs> You're right, they do. Today we are here to talk about a Funimation co-production that they put together in 2020 by the Grace of the Gods. From studio... Eh, you know what? I'm gonna find what studio did this... I think it was like Maho Picture, yeah, Maho Pictures. Uh, in the series, synopsis goes like this: One day, the life of middle-aged Japanese businessman Ryoma Takabayashi came to a rather sudden and disappointing end. Ryoma had never had a blessed life, but after his death, three great gods sought his cooperation and reincarnated him as a child in another world with swords and magic. Receiving the most cordial and divine welcome from the gods, Ryoma decides to live a leisurely life on his own in the forest for the time being. Working diligently at magic and hunting, Ryoma's greatest passion comes to be researching his tame slimes. Uh, training a variety of slimes, some newly discovered, the curtain rises on the easygoing life 
fantasy, uh, fantasy celebrating a second life with all the kind people in the world. TLDR, dude sneezed himself to death after being abused all of his life, gets put into the body of a conveniently easy-baked eight-year-old, gets dropped in the woods, adopts a bunch of slimes, impresses a bunch of rich people, and gets basically adopted by them by force. Until he realizes, wait, I don't want to be spoiled. I want to be a businessman on my own, but fuck capitalism because my life sucked. I'm still not over literally, like, one of the guys being, I have this eight-year-old body ready to go! Let me just slot- improve society somewhat. <laughs> and yet you live in a society. How peculiar. Calm down there, Jared Leto. That guy, that guy from that Nib comic, just pops up like every time. It's a, it's a very <laughs> versatile comic, for better or for worse. Ryama, I want to improve my worker society, yet you employ them. How peculiar! <laughs> yes. Uh, so we are here to talk about the twelve episode dub of By the Grace of the Gods, produced by Funimation, seeing as they did pay to make this. That's right when they are not making horny death battle anime or fruit basket. Um, they're doing this shit, uh, which please more, please more, cute, comforting isekai instead of what we're getting. <laughs> Comf. Yes. Need more comp. Uh, so let's get this just, let's just get right into it. Uh, starting about our director and our writers. The main director for the series is Jade Saxton. She was assisted by Tyson Reinhardt and Alexis Tipton. The script writer was Jessica Sulz. Jade Saxton, you'll know, is the director of series such as Endro, Toilet Bound Hanakakun, and Interview with Monster Girls. Tyson, excuse me. Uh, I just took a huge sippy sip uh, before. Not beer. Just water. Uh, Tyson Reinhardt has been the assistant director on series such as Cautious Hero. God damn it. Uh, Cautious Hero, which, god damn it, actually uh, is my feelings on that show. Isekai Quartet 2, as well as uh, Kuma 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 Bear. Alexis Tipton has been the assistant director on series such as uh, After School Dice Club. She has done the assistant director on Dances with the Dragons and the assistant director of Overlord Season 2. Jessica Sulce, you'll know as the scriptwriter for After School Dice Club, Hayatana Illusion, and Kaguya-sama Love is War. Uh, let's kick this off with you, Patrick. Um, sure. Honestly, one of the most impressive things about this dub is the fact that... Was it... Four or six episodes just simultaneously dropped at once. I think they dropped, like, a huge chunk of them at once. I can go take a look. Just give me a minute, so keep talking. Yeah, it was, um... Like, at the very end of the, um... Of its uh, broadcast run, it just dropped the rest of the dub. And obviously this is probably where Tyson and Alexis really got in there and got to work. And it felt consistent from the first couple of episodes. Um, so that's, that is a technical feat in and of itself. Um, and also given that this was probably one of those dubs that was um, primarily recorded from home. 
Um, everything sounded consistent. Uh, there were a few moments where it felt... It felt like it was being kind of... Oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's, um... It felt a little muffled. Um, when characters were kind of speaking at higher volumes. But other than that, like, really well done. And the scripts were really soothing. Um, it's not really a show that would require too much in the way of Snap and Banner. But at the same time, everything felt natural. The world felt alive. It was just generally a very pleasant overall experience. Not to mention the casting was also really, really solid. Uh, so yeah, thumbs up. <clears throat> All right, thanks, Amon. Uh, yeah, I generally like. I agree. Like this is a, this is a very nice show. It's very calm. It's very low key, uh, and I think the dub reflects that really well. It feels very, uh, like it feels very natural. Um, how do I put this? Like, the, the writing feels like it matches sort of, like, the tone and setting really well. There's not a lot of attempts to, like, try, you know, punch up the humor or, uh, you know, try try and make it, you know, more, you know, pizzazzy or something like that. Like, this, this, is, this is made by people who very much understand what they're working on. I think they wanted to match that tone pretty exactly. I think they did a good job of it. Like, this is a, this is a very relaxing show. It's a nice show to put on after a hard day and you just want something nice and pleasant and you can watch some people play around with some slimes. I think the dub really... I think it, it captures that aspect of it really well. Um, everyone sounds really good, I think. Um, you know, the write, the writing's nice and solid. Uh, it's just... It's very cozy. It's, it's, it sounds like a warm blanket next to a roaring fire. I liked it a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this is going to be a lot of, like... I don't have a lot of specific details, just because it's just like, this was nice. This was fun. <laughs> This was comfortable. This was, a, this, was, this was nice after watching, like, 12 episodes of Gleepnir. <laughs> which, which I, which I <laughs> like, but it also is a lot of, like, you know, that gif of Kermit the Frog, like, looking at something horrible going on on stage and just freaking out. It's like, mm. Mm. And this is the opposite of that, which I appreciate. Uh, and by the way, yes, they did drop the last eight. They did drop the last, like, four episodes at once back in uh, okay. the beginning of January. Yeah, I had to go scrolling through uh, something to find some info, and I was like, where is it? I'm, like, scrolling through, like, every announcement on the Funimation Discord because nobody else can post in the announcement world. It's 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 times like this I wish ANN would not delete old news posts off anime pages. Or not delete, but they get, like, shoved off the bottom, and it's hard to find old updates on stuff. Yeah, and they also don't have uh, updates of when like Funimation just drops. That makes sense. Dub announced. They they don't just have episode drops. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I would like to say is that um. I didn't know what I was going to get when I watched the show, and it was a lot better than I actually expected it to be. Like, I was like, okay, I had watched the first episode when they premiered it early at their like little Funimation con in July, and I was like, oh, this is cute. Like, this isn't something I'm going to go out of my way to watch, but this is cute. And I'm kind of glad I did, because like you said, both of you guys said, it's a very comfortable watch. Um, 
this is a dub that I don't think is going to necessarily blot, blow everyone's like head out of the water with its how good it is. This isn't like the and even then like the show isn't the best, but the dub is what it is. It's a comfortable dub for a comfy show that doesn't sound flat or obnoxious. Uh, there's maybe a couple of rough performances here and there, but the mix sounds good for, again, a show that was primarily recorded at home. Um, we do know that Funimation does bring some staff into the studios if they are basically not able to record at home, and it is only the actor that is in there. Uh, so the director and the, the engineer will be off back at their house or wherever their setup is. So um, I think the casting was uh, very genuinely well put together i think that this dub does have a lot of people in its secondary cast who sadly uh may be confirmed but there i i didn't trust it enough on ann i know sorry to everybody who updates ann but um i was just a little like a hundred a little bit uncomfortable because i was like super super sure because some of the voices were genuinely maybe not what i'm used to hearing people as and maybe it was like that one second i realized it was them but i'm like i don't know prosex to doubt um, but I think the mix of the show came across pretty well too. It's not overly loud or thunderous, like, and you can hear everybody speak. I, I do really want to praise though, the, the, the lead actors performances, the two main characters, I would say in the show, they were fantastic and I can't wait to talk about them. Uh, and the writing never felt like it was super out there. Uh, some isekai shows have a tendency to um, wear a little bit of the human world on their sleeve in modern slang. I don't think this series did that, like in, at all. Or if if it did, it was it felt like okay, this is a natural progression to the scene. So that was a, a pretty big compliment. Overall, it's a it's a good comfy dub, and that's what a good comfy show needs. Uh, so let's move on to our first set of characters, which would be the three gods that uh, summon Ryoma into this world. Um, uh, I forgot what gods they are. Let me look them up. Um, yoink. I'm prepared. <laughs> I didn't go to sleep until like four in the morning last night. Shit sucked. Um, they are the three deities. They are... Lulitisha, the goddess of healing and love, Kufo, the god of life, and Gain, the goddess, the god of creation. Uh, Lulitisha's thing is that she likes to eat a lot of things when they go to the human world. Uh, Kufo likes to travel, and at one point he just goes to Atlantis. Like, that's just a thing that he does. He just like, I went to Atlantis with a selfie stick and a phone. And that happened. And, and Ryoma's like, Oh, okay. And Gain. He likes idol groups. <laughs> Grandpa went okay. to a Grandpa went to a Love Live concert once. <laughs> okay, pause for a sec. The shot of him at the idol concert with the little glow sticks is the best. <laughs> when you're 60 years old, but Sunrise keeps making new Love Live seasons. <laughs> Or when you were born in the 60s, but you still stand Macross. If my favorite made it to the Budokan, I would die and get reincarnated into another world. 
If my favorite made it to the Budokan, I would die because I'm old and have heart disease. <laughs> what happened to Grandpa? Why did he die? He went. He took a Viagra you know, before he went to the show, and it lasted longer than four hours. He stabbed Maya-chan a little too hard. <laughs> Grandpa needed a little assistant to make his the stand that really count come to life. Anyway, before I make this any worse, because this is a comfy, wholesome episode, uh, Lulitisha is played by Marissa Lenti, Kufo is played by Siren Strange, and Gain is played by Arbor Elliott. Marissa Lenti, you'll notice the, uh, know for characters such as Darcia and Arte, Chiaki, Hoshinomori, and Gamehers, and Yuzu uh, Rotomori in The Ones Within. Siren, you'll know as characters such as Dina in Hayatana Illusion, Luca Esposito in Astro Lost in Space, in Rook Holmes and Infinite Dendrogram. Arborus Elliot, you'll know his characters such as Dot Pixis in Attack on Titan. Uh, Hannibal Baraka in Drifters and Kambe Shimada in Samurai 7. Uh, Patrick, get us started. Alright, sure. One moment. Doo, doo, doo. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a lot to say about uh, Lulutia. Uh, just because... Of the three gods, I think she shows up the least. Um, that being said, it's Marissa Lenti. It's generally a performance you can trust to deliver. And here's to hoping we get another season of this show. Because um, I'm pretty sure we would probably get more interactions with the gods. So, yeah. Um... Kufo is the one that we probably see the most of, and I think Siren did a really great job with him. Uh, he's just this little jokester gremlin god, and he just gives Kufo this really, this really pleasant energy. And it, it's just... I can really only describe it as fun. Uh, particularly the scene where where Kufo is basically just giving the rundown of where the other gods are because they're off on vacation in the human world. And he's just like, oh yeah, I um, I went there too, but I got back first. I, I went to Egypt, I went to the Amazon, I went to the bottom of the ocean, and he's just sinking with the selfie stick. Oh yeah, I went to Atlantis. But that's not real. <laughs> Silly mortal. Um, Gain's also great. Um, as mentioned, the, the thing with the Idol concert is just... Like, we, we need to put up, like, a, a just a still from it. It's, it's just... He's just an old guy with a long beard with, with the little glow sticks. It's great. Um... And when he's... He's also generally the one who explains how the world works to Ryoma. So... And when that's being done, it's, uh... It's one of those things where... He's very much an infodump character, and usually with those, um... You can get a bad habit where it's just, um... Everything they say is exposition, long, boring, dull, but it's Arborcellia. 
he puts a little bit of a fun little snap on it. So, it's great. I can't complain. Um, so, in general, with the three gods, uh, thumbs up all around. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in agreement. Uh, I think, I think in general, all three of them do a good job of giving the, the kind of, like, you know, gravitas you'd expect out of, you know, the character who's, you know, a god, but also giving the characters both a lot of personality and also, um, showing off their more eccentric side. Whether that be, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down and just eat a lot of food. What should I try first? Or yelling at Budokan, for that matter, which is still very, very funny. Um... Um, but I, I, th I think they do a good job of balancing that, where, like, you know, they are, they are funny, but they don't come off as, like, uh, you know, co comic relief or something like that. They're just funny characters. Um, Marissa, Marissa does, uh, uh, Lulatia doesn't have as much to do, I think, and, um, you know, so I don't have as much to say either. But I think Marissa, you know, she does a good job with that character. Um, our Bruce is just, he's just really funny when he's hollering at that girl group at, at you know, whatever, whatever, wherever the concert's happening. It's just a really funny image, and he really just commits to it. Um, oh, I think my favorite out of three is probably Siren as Kufo, just for... Um, probably just that little bit in kind of like the middle of the series where um, he's talking to our, our lead, and he's just casually explaining what's going on. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to go on a little tourist trip, and he's just there with his selfie stick all the time, and it's just like... You're playing this at the correct level of serious but not serious, and I appreciate that. Good job. Um, yeah, like, I, I definitely want more of this show. I think it's, like, really, like, I think it's really, like, charming. Uh, and I'd be happy to have more of them. And have more of the, these guys playing these characters, because I think they do, like, a nice, solid job. Like, they, they, I agree with Roots. I think they do a good job of being, like, expository, but not in, like, a boring way. It's very much like, oh, yeah, this is just how we do things. It's like, yeah, it's just like, hey, uh, you're dead now. Like, it's very, it's very casual, which is, which I feel is very appropriate for the show. It's not like this big dramatic thing. It's like, yeah, you got a raw deal. You want a better one? We have a better, yeah. we, have a, we have an eight-year-old body we're not doing anything with. You want that? What I love is how they kind of casually explain that. Oh, yeah, we're going to reincarnate you into this other world so that you have a better life. At the same time, we kind of get a benefit out of it, because when we move people from Earth to this world, um, we move some of that magic power that Earth's really not using over to this side. So it's really kind of a win-win. I also kind of like later on how they reveal, like, they've sent at least two other people there to that ended up marrying <laughs> to each other somehow. And my favorite thing is the first girl. She just really liked animals, so we made her a great tamer. The second guy wanted, like, tried to be a huge edgelord, but he was such a bitch about it. <laughs> and he just, just lived in a cave for the rest of his, his life. life. Well, so apparently he somehow married into... He married somebody and had a kid. Because that's how the rest of the... Uh, what the little girl in this show gets her power from? My my, my mm. favorite part of that is when they're doing the archery bit, and they mention like some you know some some long ago sorcerer had a really powerful special skill called shotgun. Yes, <laughs> which I just I just thought it was just it's like just the he's just like why would you bring that? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. It's just you're going into a fantasy world. Gone. You're going into a fantasy world. What do you want? Gun. Okay, Mr. Nomura, I need you to gun. It's a, it's just, it's a really well-crafted one-off joke, and I really appreciated it when it came up. 
Ah, oh, damn it, we meant to send this guy to the world that Ruby takes place in, not this one. Oops. Easy mistake. Damn it, damn it, Koofa. I, I like to think it's Koofa's problem because he was too busy taking a selfie, I'm, but... I'm sorry, uh, it's so colorful and everyone moves so funny. It's really entertaining to send people there. Do they like it? I don't see how that's relevant. Alright, let me uh, talk about uh, Marissa first. I like Marissa's tone of voice for Lulatisha. Uh, it's kind of maternal without sounding super old and just very friendly. Uh, Arborus Elliot is doing Arborus Elliot things as helpful, this helpful old god man, but god, the scene of him freaking out at the Budokan. Just, just, I really, is it really bad I want a cover of Arborus Elliot singing Snow Halation? No. <laughs> as, as Gain, just please sing, please Arborus Elliot, I will give you $50 if you sing Snow Halation. I know that's probably against the rules, but I'll do it. If if he starts doing cameos, I will do it. Um, Siren, Kieran, I like Kieran playing uh, these younger boy characters. I think he has a really good, like, he has a really interesting voice. So I think that him playing, like, gods and just guys in general is just really cool. And I want it. I always like to hear him and stuff. Um, I think him as Kufo was that right level of, like, young teenage kid without being, like, snobby bratty. And he sounds older than Ryoma and, um, Illyria, uh, or Ilya, or... I'm, I'm literally just gonna call her my lady, the lady, because I can't spell, I can't, I can't say her name. Um, so, uh... So I like that he sounds older than them, but not older that, but younger than the other two gods that he's with. I think he has the like right lovely level of energy and a little bit of snark. So, uh, great job to the three of them. So let's move on to our next two characters, who are the two members of the Adventure Guild that do the most shit. Um, the Adventurers Guild is the guild, the second guild that Ryoma tries to go to because when he joins the Tamer Guild, they're a bunch of snuck up snobs who are like slimes aren't shit. Even though he has like 300,000 of them. Jerks. So he goes to the Adventurers Guild where he literally has to skeet shoot with a bow and arrow. Um, and he joins the Adventurers Guild and climbs his ranks there. Uh, but the two most prominent members who kind of get to do the most and slash have confirmed voices. They are Mia, a cat, like a cat person who, uh, Ryoma takes their job to clean their smelly basement. And there's Worgen, who is the head of the Adventurers Guild, uh, who helps them also find out that there's an embezzlement scheme at one point. <laughs> Just, episode four of the show is, like, basically a crossover of dirty jobs and, like, a New York crime drama. Where, where... Literally, a bathroom is so nasty that there is a poison miasma in there. Like, holy shit. Uh, so playing um, Mia- I think in this case it would be unholy shit? Touché. That's a lot of poop. <laughs> holy shit, that's a lot of poop. And they- and they didn't, like- <laughs> pixelated out either. No. It's just like, poop. You know what it is. It's poop. 
Thank God he has poop-eating slimes. <laughs> like, God, that's such a good thing to have. Just, oh no, the dog shit on the floor. Slime. It, it, it. Hey, I mean, it's better than the J.K. Rowling solution. <laughs> oh, that, God. I, I mean, that, that is a bar nailed to the floor, but your point stands. <laughs> what is it, that they just apparate their poop out of their pants or something? They just shit their pants and then they <laughs> magic it away. The British, they never change. I'm sorry, I'm just- now I can't take Harry Potter- well, it's hard to take Harry Potter seriously these days, but now I'm just imagining, like, these big climactic moments in Harry Potter could have literally happened as he had a huge load of poop in his pants. <sighs> it's like nobody ever made the magic version of Everybody Poops. Um, anyway, playing Mia is- uh, Monica Rial and playing Morgan is Chris Guerrero. Monica Rial knew his characters such as Izumi Tachibana in A3, Aoi Futaba in Cat Planet Cuties, and Bind in Handshakers because I'm the only one who had to ever watch the show between the three of us. Chris Guerrero, you'll know his characters such as Valtos in Black Clover, Yeti in Eat Alive, and uh, I picked the he, fucking wrong name. He's a, he's a Kuriger. He's a Kuriger in Robohachi. Thank you, Amon. I hosted that episode. I still remember <laughs> Hard to pronounce names, handshake. Anyway, Patrick, go ahead. Alright, um, one thing I definitely appreciate is, um, after coming off the Radiant episode, now it's Monica Rial's turn to do the cat puns. <laughs> and if you've listened to the Radiant episode, you know I am a sucker for cat puns. Just really any kind of animal pun, but cat puns are the easiest to do. Because they're a meowsing. <laughs> um, I think overall, Monica Rial kind of also got the sort of playful nature and this weird maternal nature for Ryoma. If I'm interpreting her her little interactions with him correctly. Um, because I know a couple of the other characters kind of commented she acts weird around him. Uh, but I thought that was great. Um, I, honestly, the standout moment for her is the, um, the point where she is introduced in the series. Where her basement gets a hole in it and just a bunch of garbage from a local dump just black. And, uh, Ryoma has to be sent in to clean it out. Like, that whole thing is great, where she's just, like... She's kind of panicking over it, and then, like, marveling as Ryoma calmly and collectively sends out his slime to do the dirty work. Hit <laughs> dirty work. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Um, and honestly, Chris Guerrero... I have never encountered a role where he hasn't put in a good performance. Um, this is one of the ones where he doesn't... He does a lot, but he doesn't say a lot at the same time until, like, a little more toward the end. Um, but I think he does a really good job as sort of the, the guildmaster who keeps things together. Um, he shows up, basically pulls a bunch of... Uh, 
adventurers together to, to clear out a bunch of caves. And he's just like, oh, yeah, there were goblins in there. We didn't expect goblins. You're all getting a big pay increase. <laughs> he's great. They're both great. Thumbs up. Everybody's great. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is great. Um, let's see. I don't, Chris is fun in here. I always feel like whenever I end up watching stuff that Chris has been in, it's inevitably things where he has been hired to voice, like, you know, a monster or a robot or something, and I never get to hear him, like, play a person. That, that's I think it's just a coincidence of, like, what I end up watching. But I like it when he shows up in things. He's got a good voice. I think he, he does the... Uh, he, he plays the character very well. He plays him, like, serious and earnest than he needs to be, and also he can get the funny moments, like, when he... He throws a knife, and, uh... Ryoma just hurls it right back. He's like, Oh, wait! You passed! You're okay! <laughs> Please don't kill me! Uh, he just... He, 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 he fits the character really well. And, uh... Mog is just fun, just because... Cat puns. It's a lot of... A lot of cat puns. And she's clearly, like, uh... Ashura, I think, does a good job of being, like... Silly, but not too silly, if that makes sense. Uh, like, it, it, it generally hits the right tone for a show that is about being reincarnated in another world and starting a really successful laundry business. Which sounds like a joke, and is kind of, but also isn't. Uh, and I think she, she just does a good job of playing this character who has, like, a lot of, like, just, you know, silly wordplay in her dialogue. And it is it is amusing, but never comes off as, like, too much. Um, it also helps that, like, you know, it's Monica, and she can probably turn into good performance in her sleep at this point in her career because she's been doing this for bordering on three decades or something at this point yeah mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah these are just these are just like fun performances I, I enjoyed them a lot they were a delight on screen had a good time yeah no i really liked monica's character and i really love the fact that she the cat puns were written so excellent for, mm. me, for her, and her delivery made them so uh, natural. I love that she also calls him Riom Nya. Like, the cat noise, like Riom Nya. <laughs> don't forget that, but you're right. <laughs> she does. She does. The entire time. And it's great. I love it. Uh, I think she does a really good job. I love when she's just like, she's like the really dumb one of the group. Uh, there's, there's like a rabbit one, a tiger one, and another one, but uh, like I said, they... It's hard to pinpoint who was who, and they don't say a lot, so she kind of gets the lion's share, you could say. Um, I love that uh, at one point she she hugs Ryoma uh, into her chest, and Ryoma goes, thank boob, I mean thank you. Um, <laughs> just, she's really cute, and I love that it's not like the super high pitch, but it's also not the super adult Monica voice, it's like kind of right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, so I helped with that a lot. Chris Guerrero is, uh, is working. I was like, who the hell is this? I was like, oh wait, that's Chris Guerrero. I love Chris Guerrero in this. I just love the idea of, like, I love when he bickers with the head of the Merchant Guild because, uh, like, it's clear that they used to, like, have, like, they were, like, a pair back, not like a pair, but they worked together back in the day and he was a pain in the ass. And now he's, like, this big, strong, gruff guy. Um, I think he fits in very well to the ensemble. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't overshadow anybody, but he doesn't also just fade into the background. Uh, though Worgen doesn't stay around for a lot, but he, he does a great job uh, there where he is. Alright, are we ready to move on to the next section? We are making fantastic oh, yeah. time. Yeah, let's do it. 
I feel like this section and the next three are going to be like where we get to talk about a lot of people because these are the characters who are around the most. Let's start out with the servants of the Jamil family. The Jamil family is a family of nobles and also a bunch of tamers. It is because one of them gets... They they fight off the bandits, but they got attacked by a bear. <laughs> and that's what fucked them up. So, as we all know, a uh, bear is the most uh, strong weapon in the world. Uh, ask the isekai where somebody is literally running around in a bear ke- uh, kegu. Uh, so, let's start off with Hughes. Hughes is the servant who has no tact. Uh, Zeph is the guy who got knocked out. Jill is the pretty boy. Uh, Camille is the magic teacher. And then there's Sevis. Uh, he basically has a pocket dimension that summons PS2 horses. Mm. <laughs> like, I I saw them come out and I lost my shit because the CGI horses in this show are awful. They, they're bad to a point where it almost feels like an intentional joke. Like, like, like it is just... Go ahead, just... Well, it's like, you, look, you look at, I mean, part of this is like how much they show up on screen, but you look at how well animated all the slimes are. And you look at how cheaply the horses are made. It almost feels like it's, it's like, yeah, we know these horses aren't going to look very good. Let's just kind of make a gag out of it. Like, they're just really bad. Slime superior CGI animal. It's like they, it's like they ran out of time to finish the shading on the models. They're like, whatever, no one's watching this for the horses. We, we put the money in yeah, where it I mean, counts. It's like the Copcraft cars. You didn't watch Copcraft for the cars. You watched it for the riveting commentary on police brutality and racism. You, you watched it because it was boring. It was a boring Saturday afternoon and there was nothing good on TBS. So you watched Copcraft <laughs> instead. You watched Copcraft for the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, context to t- the Talarna sex jokes video that Jackson keeps reposting. <laughs> Which I think I do have pinned on the Discord because it's genuinely very, very funny. Good. So playing Hughes is Jeremy Inman. Playing Zeph is Jared Green. Playing Jill is Rika Fajardo. Playing Camille is uh, Stephen Fu. And playing Sebus is uh, Francis Henry. Uh, Jeremy Inman, when he's not uh, directing a lot of anime and shilling them to all hell and back and making it completely unfair and forcing me to watch Jobless Reincarnation. Oh, come on! You cheated! <laughs> they made Rachel Robinson the buff hot wolf lady! That's not That's... fair! <laughs> that is a hard thing to argue against. On the one hand awful perverted baby on the other hand a wooga when when, when, <laughs> when the show is awful but all the casting is extremely spot on god i'm so mad at you amen you're a great person but can't do this to me uh he's playing uh udano josuke and basilis uh basilis uh, Rolka Clem Bagforte in ja- Dances with Dragons and Akataro Obi in Fire Force. Akataro Obi. The f- only, one of the only two fan service I need in all Fire Force. Jer- Please keep Tamaki's clothes on. Jared Green, you'll know his characters such as Karu Narago in Actors Song Connections, Kohei Katsuragi in Classroom of the Elite, and Yoshifumi Nita in Hinamatsuri. Jill, uh, Rico Fajardo, you'll know as Nozel Silva in Black Clover. 
uh, Natsuki Sonomiya in Cheer Boys and Slater Honeysuckle in Heavy Object. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you heard me right. His name is Slater Honeysuckle. All right, all my questions are now answered. Please continue. Um, Look, Heavy Object was a thing. I had to watch it. <laughs> but without Heavy Object, we would have never picked up that lovable scamp who doesn't know 90s movies. <laughs> this is true. Just remember, now that Andrew has moved in with staff, you can now make as many sex jokes at them as you want. <laughs> I did that last night. Uh, Stephen Fee, you'll know as characters such as Roddy Walker in Bem, uh, Yohei Nikaido in Golden Kamui, and Auntie in SSSS Gordman. Francis Henry, you'll know as Gilbert F. Alcine in Blood Blockade Battlefront, Prince of Shinomone in Nichijo. I think that's the guy who... who isn't he the dude who, like, suplexes I the deer? That, that is the principal, yes. God bless. And Pastor Nick in Attack on Titan. You know everyone's favorite Attack on Titan character. Um, said no one ever. I believe he's the guy that Hanji tortures with the poop machine. <laughs> yes! That is a thing in Titan. No, I'm not going to explain I it. I don't want you... Look, whenever I finally catch up on Titan, I'll finally understand what the hell anyone is talking about in that show, and... Alright. Be, I feel like it'll be a lot of that one comic that's like, I guess. Just, let's be real. That's me to a majority of Attack on Titan when I'm not planning on how to make Isayama step on a Lego for what he did to Krista. <sighs> I'm not happy about that and I will never shut up about it. Anyway, uh, go ahead, uh, Roots. Yes. Alright. Servants of Jamil. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Um, Rico, Steven, and, uh, and Francis. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. Not Fran. Ah, save us. Bleh. Um, Jill and, um, Jill and Zeph kind of blended together. Oh, Jules F. Uh, Camille. I am prepared. Anyway. Um, it was kind of a thing where Zeph, Jill, and Camille kind of blended together. Uh, they really kind of served the same purpose, just as being, like, the, uh, the Jamil family muscle. Uh, they're, they're good people, and they get their moments, but it's just... Um, Honestly, I have a little trouble remembering who did what. And that's kind of the the issue with sort of the um, sort of background ensemble people sometimes with like certain organizations within a show. Mm -hmm. I can't say the same about Hughes, however. Because uh, every time he opens up his mouth, somebody smacks him. He is just an asshole. I love every minute of it. Like, especially the last episode, where I can't remember the joke he makes, but, um... <laughs> like, Ryoma gives him a nut tat. And it's just... Yeah, I can't remember what you said, but you definitely deserved it. I think it's, uh, he nut taps him for saying that, uh, Ryoma wants to make out with the... With the, the little girl. 
Ah, yeah. Accompanied by the deep. delightful image of him, like, like big lips smooching on a tree. You know, like, like this, Ryoma. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then he gets a classic case of the... Classic case of the good old New England vanilla nut taps. <laughs> hey, don't you like it, Dewey? You like the vanilla nut taps? Bo -bo! God, that is the best SNL sketch. Um, I, I thought you were gonna. Chance... I thought you were gonna say the best section L sketch is the uh, Al, Al Cappuccino one. Oh, no, that's that Cappuccino. is Jack and that's Jill. That's an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, never mind. Yeah, it's it's best to ignore the other parts of that one. It's not a good movie, like at all. Sorry, go back. Go back to Sword of the Night Live. <laughs> um. Like if you look up the sequence with um, Casey Affleck doing the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, it's great. And then Bill Burr does one with um, Sam Adams. That one is all. That one is probably. Yeah, it's about the same. But it, it basically just encapsulates the parts of Boston they don't want you to know about. Boston. Um, also, Francis Henry as Sabas is just a cool old dude. And he has a pocket dimension where he keeps horses. Don't worry. He poked holes in the pocket dimension. They can breathe. <laughs> it's fine. It's got air. It's all right. He may be in the car, but the air conditioning's on. He's got a podcast on. He's fine. Don't worry about it. He's okay. Just don't think about the PS2 horses. Don't think about where they come from. Don't think about <laughs> what we have to do to take care of them. They're fine. Yeah, but joking aside, like, he, he's just... A, he does a, the gentle old man, like, really, really well. Um, so I, I generally really like this group. Um, it's just, like, three of them, I can't tell the character designs apart, like, at all. I'm done. All right. Yeah, um, let me see. Uh, yeah, I also, I also, for me, like, uh, Zeph, Jill, and Camille also kind of, like, blended together a little bit. They were just kind of, like, the dudes. Uh, and I think, I think Jared Ricardo, uh, Ricard Jared Rico. Freak. <laughs> I think Jared Rico and Steven all, like, they do good jobs with them. It's more just, like, that's just kind of the characters are in there. Like, yeah, you know, they're the, they're, they're the fellas. They're there. They're solid. One of them got attacked by a bear. They're the boys. They're the boys. They're the boys. Um, but they, all, they like they do good they do good solid jobs with the characters. Um, I liked Francis a lot as Savas just because he he you know as, as seen by the fact that he plays the principal in Nichi Joe he's very good at kind of like you know uh, dignified old man roles uh, and he just does such he, 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 you can feel the butler exuding from him. He's got a he know he know he knows what's up and he knows what to get ahead of time even if that's low quality rendered horses from a pocket dimension. <laughs> By the grace of the gods, come for the relaxing story about capitalism and slime. Stay for the stay for the bad horses. Stay for the, <laughs> stay bad, for horses. the bad horses. Um, but no, I, I I thought he does a good job in the performance. He just he, he's a he has a nice. There's almost sort of a grandfatherly tone about him, which I think is kind of nice. There's a he's, he brings a good quality to the character. Uh, 
and Jeremy, who I think for me is the standout in this group, uh, just because like I, I think I think Jeremy's like a very good actor. I've seen him in a lot of things. I think he's very talented, and, and sometimes I'll forget like things he particularly excels at, like playing huge jerks. He's so funny. As, <laughs> I think he's just so funny as Hughes. He's such a good job playing this, just like just so like brash and obnoxious, and like he's he's the one who goes over to explain how they have to attract the slime in the in the in the first or second episode, right? That's him. What? In the first episode, they're, they, they're trying to explain to, um, what's your name, how to attract a slime, and they're all like, oh, that would be... Yes, and he's the one, he's like, whoop, I'll do it. over and gets quadruple slap for his troubles, and it's like, there we go. Yeah, I think he, he plays the character, like, he, he clearly understands what this character's deal is, and I think he just, he plays him really well. I think he's very funny. No, I'm, I'm finished, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, it's okay. I don't have water. Oh, no, it's okay. It's good. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I I actually could tell uh, Camille from the other ones. Mostly because Camille does do something. <laughs> he's the one that teaches them uh, him how to do, like, fire arrow and all that That's shit. Right. And he's got... Oh, gotcha, okay. Yeah, Stephen Fu does a good job of always playing, like, the good soft boys. And I genuinely like Stephen Fu. And for the love of God, please, for the love of Jesus... Really hope he's in uh, Heaven's Official Blessing as somebody. Specifically one character, but I don't want to say who it is in recording. Um, so I thought he did a good job being uh, the super soft guy. Uh, Jared Jared was kind of the gruff guy that we all know. Uh, Rico, I Jill doesn't do a lot, so I was surprised that Rico was in this. And I was like, oh, Rico's here. Sorry, Rico. Uh, Sebass, Francis Henry. I like Francis Henry's voice. He's not in a, a lot of stuff, and that kind of makes me sad. I think he does a good, like, older butler guy voice. Uh, I just love how he just... It's like, wow, you're so good at this. And I think he's kind of, like, the voice of reason to Ryoma sometimes. Of, like, maybe you should stay because you're making the girl upset, dumbass. But, like, in the nice way. And then Hughes. Oh, Hughes. Um, Jeremy Inman plays him with... Jeremy Inman plays him with the boisterous, cool uncle voice. But he's that cool uncle that, like, when you're at the wedding, you're like, Hey, Uncle Hughes, please don't get drunk and pass out on the dance floor. And then he doesn't. He but, gets drunk and passes out during the reception. Well, you'd be at the dance floor the reception, No. Hughes is the guy who gets drunk at the wedding and then leads your cut leads your nephews and like your cousins down to the McDonald's and gets a dude to like let him in his car to buy food at like two in the morning. <laughs> is that a very specific story? Yes. Why? Because that happened with one of my cousins. Oh no. <laughs> Hi, Brendan. You're not listening to this, but I will forever remember that story. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding. <laughs> um, no, I love my cousins. They're, they're good guys. They're hilarious, but, uh... Oh, boy. Um, no, but Hughes has this, like, very boisterous thing, and I love the way that he's, like, the obnoxious dad type. Because, let's be real, uh... Uh, Illyria's actual dad is very soft-spoken, and... <laughs> except for when it comes to when his daughter, he's like, Oh, yeah, girl! Like the oh yeah girl mac out in your girl and he, then he gets his nuts hit, but I think Jeremy is definitely the standout of the section. 
Uh, he's a ton of fun to listen to in this. And I kind of do hope this gets a second season, not only to just expand the world, because, like, at the very end, the, the Jamils and Ryoma go their separate way. And, listen, I just want, like, him, like, Hughes just rolling up at random times to Ryoma's laundromat. Like, sup, bitch. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, from the servants of House Jamil, let's move on to the, nope, the main family of House Jamil. There is Reinhardt, the Duke the Duke of the area, he uh, ends up finding Ryoma in the woods after uh, Seth gets his ass kicked by a bear, and somehow, like, it just ends up being like, well, this kid's cool, let me just bring the family, you know, as you do. Uh, Elise is his wife. She is also a tamer who has 20 Fenrirs. Not the Fenrir, Fenrirs. There's two, there's a distinction. And a hundred other wolves. She's basically nice Cruella DeVille. Uh, she also thinks that uh, Ryoma is basically her other baby and keeps momming him, uh, which I have a story about that scene in the day that I watched it on. And Reinbach, he's Reinhardt's dad. He is also a tamer. He has dragons and he's just a nice, cool old man. Uh, playing Reinhardt is Anthony Bowling. Playing Elise is Caitlin Glass. And playing Reinbach is Kent Williams. Just, why did you name your, just, whatever. Uh, Anthony Bowling, you'll know his characters such as uh, Ao, Tora, Torasaki, and Absolute Duo, Tony McBee, and Cockcraft. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded, I didn't laugh when I typed it out, but just saying the name Tony McBee, because I want to say McFly, uh, in Cockcraft, and Ray Sakama, and Ensemble Stars, Character Glass, you'll know his characters such as Jessica Wong, and Aquarian Avol, Vados in Dragon Ball Super and Haruhi Fujioka in the Oran High School Host Club. Kent Williams, you'll notice characters such as uh, Chardon Flamberg in Black Cat, Dr. Franks in Darling in the Franks, and of course everyone's favorite uh, heart crutcher Hattori Soma in Fruit Basket. Oh boy. Alright. Um, I really do like this batch of characters. Um, uh, the, the house Jamil is just in and of itself, really fun. Um, Reinhardt is kind of the one who, of the three, he does the least. Um, but it's Anthony Bowling, and he gives him such the... Like, I don't know what it is with Anthony Bowling's voice, but he gives it such a smug energy. Um, I don't know if that was inherently designed to the character, but I liked it. Um, and, oh my god, um, Caitlin Glass as Elise. I love how she sort of gave her this motherly energy, but at the same time, it's, it's that motherly energy where she can get you into line with a glare. Um, in particular, I love how Ryoma was talking about, oh yeah, hey, um, I need to go strike out on my own. I have a proposal here for a business that I'd like to run, and, you know, I I don't want to be mooching off of you guys for the rest of my life. And then, um, so they set him conditions to be able to do this. Um, but then they set one more that he has to stay at the, at the inn there that they're staying at until they leave. And he's just like, oh, no, I can't impose... And then Elise just gives him the death glare, and she's just like, oh yeah, 
We are offering you hospitality. Take it! And then he does. It's great. Uh, and then Reinbach is just a chill, chill old dude. And Kent Williams just does chill old dude so well. It's great. I love it. Um, he is just this warm, grandfatherly figure, and it's just... Like, for everything that Ryoma's gone through in his original life, like, having that there is just... It's just great. I, I love these three characters. I love the actors involved. It's... The House Jamil is just a good time. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and pass it off to Amon. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm in agreement. Like these are these are just a fine set of characters. <clears throat> uh, Kent's like Kent. Roots is correct. Kent is always fun. It's just chill old guys. It is a it is a character type he excels at. And Ryanbach's just he's just a he's a swell dude. Uh, he's got his dragons and he's very nice and affable. He's he's also very grandfatherly, which is appropriate given uh, how the Jamils kind of function with Ryoma in the story. Uh, one thing I really liked about Case and Anthony is uh, is I thought you really got a sense of. Elsie and Reinhardt as a couple. Like, I very much bought them as, like, oh, you have been, you have been in love and in a relationship for a very long time. And there is a, there's a lot, there's a lot between you, and I, I felt like that came through in their performance, even though it was just kind of like, you know, usually Elsie, like, teasing Reinhardt about one thing or another, it's like, <clears throat> you know, oh, I was kind of jealous that she was so good at timing, and it was like, oh, oh where are you? I, I, I recall your response to that was, I have a sword. And it's just like you can just you can just kind of feel like the the affection between them. It's really nice. Um, they're they're very sweet. I think I agree. Like I think Caitlin's like, she's very funny as Elsie. She does a great job of bringing out the like you know yeah she's like the you know a you know you know she's a mom and she's like the wife to this you know fancy royal guy, but she's clearly like a a personality to be reckoned with in her own right. And I think Caitlin does a really good job bringing that out in the character. Uh, and it, I, I think I, Anthony, I think does a good job of presenting Reinhardt as like this, like guy who's very important. But um, one one of the one of the fun like power fantasies the show brings out is like, oh yeah, the people in charge actually care about other people, or <laughs> they're presented with like, hey, wait a minute, this town is clearly uh, engaging in embezzlement in order to not pay poor people. We have to do something about this. This is clearly wrong. <laughs> I, 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 he 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 very he very much has that aura of like yeah you are someone I want in my corner. You care about people. That's that's good. Um. Yeah, this they're just they're 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 nicely done characters, and also with them with um Alaria, I think you just get a sense of like you know what a you know they are, they do feel like you know a family unit together, and it's just it's 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 well performed. This is a very warm show, and I think that stuff like that helps contribute to that. You can tell the history and relationship these characters have just by the way they're interacting with each other. It's nice. Ah. Uh, what happened? No, nothing. I'm I'm just like yeah. It's my turn okay. to talk. <laughs> I'm still I'm still sleepy. And I have to man Mountain Dew, and I have to go to the gas station to go get it. Oh no. Oh. I gotta go fill up my car and gas is almost three dollars a gallon down here. Oh, oh, I hate the shit. Uh my my fantasy is to go to this world so I don't have to drag a car. Will I not have my cell phone in my video games? Yes. Will I probably tame animals? Hell yeah. 
Uh, Reinhardt. I actually thought that was Ian Sinclair for a little bit. Because mm. he, it, it, Anthony is a very good doppelganger for Ian sometimes. But I like, uh, I would say Reinhardt is probably who I actually think of the, is the weakest performance of kind of the main cast. Sometimes I did feel it was a little itty bit flat. But I think he has, like, that good-natured kind of guy voice to him where, like, he, it's clear he's a good dad. I mean, he almost literally takes out Hughes for trying to sexualize his daughter. But, like, he's just a very understanding guy. And, God, I love that scene where it's just, they just dunk him for not being a tamer because he just gave up on it. But I also, I also like in canon, he's like, I don't have a thing with birds. And then, like, the next episode when his daughter tames nine birds... And he tries to pet one and tries to bite him. <laughs> He's that guy that goes into the lorikeet exhibit because his kid asks and all the birds just start pooping on him. Oh my god. Um, sorry to break uh, break the episode for a sec, but I've got an anecdote. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we can keep so it in. This episode isn't very long. Fair. <laughs> um, we were at the Wild Animal Park in San Diego. I was maybe... Um, Oh, no, it, it wasn't San Diego. It was Escondido, but that's, like, a town, like, half an hour away from San Diego. Um, I was maybe, like, seven or eight years old. My sister was, like, nine. Um, so we go to the bird exhibit, and they hand you, like, little cups of nectar so that they come onto your arm and feed on the nectar. Um, my sister takes one of the cups. They lead her into the atrium. And this big-ass bird just lands on her arm and she freaks out, drops a cup and they swarm at the cup and she is just freaking out. Oh no. And oh, this is no. just, it, it's one of those things that I'll, I will just remember for the rest of my life. But it's just, great. Alfred Hitchcock has entered the chat. <laughs> I'm so sorry for your sister. Like, oh god, I used to be terrified. Assholes, if you really think about it. Listen, I used to be terrified of birds when I was little. Like, I had like straight up hard phobia of birds. I one time almost knocked myself out at SeaWorld because I was running away from the seagull and ran almost straight into a giant oh, rock. No. Oh. I mean, look, it's fair. I am deathly afraid of peacocks. Feral peacocks in Southern California are assholes. In short, fuck peacocks. <laughs> um, no, so I I think that Anthony did a, a good job there. Um, Ryan Box, Kent Williams is a great older guy voice. I love how friendly and warm he sounds as a grandpa, as opposed to like if this was any other show. This guy would be a, such a dickhole. Oh, absolutely. Like, I love that this show's power fantasy is literally everything's nice, nothing bad happens. That's what I want. <laughs> it's just, it's so nice. And Kent's such a cute little old man. And I love the fact that he's just a good grandpa. He just wants what's best for his daughter. His granddaughter and his daughter and his kids. It's just very good. And I really think it's super sweet and super, super charming. Uh, and then Caitlin as the mom. I think this was a really inspired choice. I think she does her voice youth youthful enough with also not sounding too old. I think that she is super pretty. She does a super job making her super approachable and yet 
Very intimidating, and if you don't eat your plate at her house, you know that she would shank you. Mm. And I appreciate that. And I think that I appreciate that in the performance. It was a great job. Very well done. Uh, I don't have much to add from what you guys hadn't added. Uh, so let's move on to our final set of characters, our mains. They are uh, Alaria Jamil. She's the daughter of the House of Jamil. She's the same age as Ryoma, and she has a lot of magic. And she doesn't have friends, which you you would think it's it's like implied at the beginning. It's oh, it's because she's a noble and da da da. And then you find out that she was like horribly bullied, and like a huge rumor was spread about her. And they kind of just dropped that in the last ten minutes. And then it's like, well, okay, show's over. Bye. <laughs> Going to magic school. See you in six years when we're legal. Um. And then Ryoma Takabayashi, his life has sucked. Now he's eight, he got reincarnated as an eight-year-old, now he's 11-year-old and everybody loves him. He runs his own business, he's an adventurer, but he's also not a greedy capitalistic pig. And he feels guilty about, like, accidentally forgetting to give his workers a time off. And he's like, why are you all freaking out that you get vacation? And they're like, and he's like, I never thought of that. I should give you more vacation. Uh, playing Illyria is Susie Young, and playing Ryoma is Emily Neves. Uh, Susie Young, you'll notice characters such as Jing Jilan and Apare Ranman, Cha Cha in Super HX Arrows, and Fumi Futagawa in Assault Lily Bouquet. Emily Neves, you'll notice characters such as Kyoko Sanon in Diamond Dollar, Eri in My Hero Academia, and Nozomi uh, Takamura in Tamayomi the Baseball Girls. I should also point out that the older version of Ryoma from his past life is played by Chris Rager, who everybody would know as the voice of Mr. Satan from Dragon Ball Z. So let's start this off with you, Roots. Yeah, um, I think I'll, I'll start off with Ryoma, and namely his, um, his older persona and Chris Rager. Um, I, I thought he did a really great job with the... Um, like... Ryoma got kicked around. Let's be real. In his first life. Like, literally, he has a brain hemorrhage from sneezing because he... He was absolutely stressed out and overworked at an office job. Um, I think he did... He dealt with it really well, and particularly the scenes in which um, his mother greets him every morning as he's leaving for work and waits for him to come home to greet him again. Um, and she kept doing this despite the fact that he was absolutely getting crunched in overtime to death uh, and was absolutely tired waiting up for him. And uh, the point in which she passed away. And he comes home and he's just like, oh, yeah, right. It's so quiet here. Like, that was just absolutely heartbreaking. Because um, I... I recently went through a similar kind of loss where there was a... In this case, a dog, but... Um, she was very vocal. And one day I just came home and she wasn't there anymore. And the house just kind of was 
kind of uncomfortably quiet for a while. So uh, that was that was the kind of thing that stuck with me. Um, but then Emily Neves playing his younger body. Just the easy-baked eight-year-old that the gods of this world just had. Conveniently ready to go. Um, I thought Emily Neves did a pretty good job. I... I actually did not know it was her until Megan posted the cast list from the show. Uh, which is... If I don't recognize you in what you're doing, that is probably one of the highest forms of praise I can give. Uh, of course, I don't really know her voice for, like, little boys anyway. So... Yeah, but she, um... She plays him with a, for the most part, world-conscious intelligence. And um, he has a quick wit. He's very skilled at what he is able to do. Uh, he's basically able to form a business, like, right off the bat. And I think Emily Meese did a really good job with that. Uh, and Susie Young as... Um, I'm sorry, I'm just going to call her Milady because I'm, I'm not even going to try that name. Um, she had a really great presence. Um, of course, also being another 11-year-old in the cast, um, she basically had to not only have like a youthful energy to her, but at the same time... All right. Eliaria, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna go with it. Um, <laughs> screw it, I'm just gonna go with it. Fake it, um, make it. <laughs> uh, she's also very intelligent and capable, uh, while at the same time, like, not being particularly great at magic. And yeah, there was that rumor that gets talked about in, like, the last five minutes of the show, and it's just like. Why didn't you say that before? Like, that was a really great kind of little plot exposition point that could have been explored in, like, the last three or four episodes. But it's like, nope, last five minutes. Um, but I think her standout moment uh, for the show is... Um, I want to say in the cave while she's practicing her music for the... The little ritual where she has to uh, play a song in order to attract a bunch of birds to make a contract with them. Because people like to buy those birds. Actually, no. Um, I'm going to say it's a little later in the last episode after she tames the birds. And it's just like, oh yeah, that one you caught right there. Go ahead and appraise it, because it's a super rare one. It's... It's just like, oh yeah, I got a super rare one. Great. Yeah, it was good. And um oh, standout moment for Ryoma, the the little kid version. Oh, let's see, let's see. Um I want to say it's at some point when he's cleaning out the uh the poop stalls. Yes. Cuz it's just like, oh yeah, um this is going to be really gross work. 
I'm gonna take one of my cleaning slimes and make a helmet out of him. Stick it on my head! <laughs> like, I, I thought his, like, his anti-shit suit was just the funniest thing, because it's just, um... You know, it's just general here-on-earth cleaning clothes, but then he's got, like, a slime on his head. Like, that that was absolutely funny to me. Uh, but anyway, all three of these actors were great. Um, solid thumbs up all around. I'm all set, Amon. All right. Um, yeah, these two are just adorable. <clears throat> uh, like, I... I... <laughs> They're both, they're both they're both just like so like just cute and charming. It's fun. Uh, I think Susie just brings out a lot of what like Alari is just like she's such a sweetheart. <clears throat> she wants to she was trying so hard and she's she's clearly been through like more than she probably deserves and she's doing her best. And she clearly like likes you know I mean she likes Ryoma clearly but also close to Kaya likes like having someone her own age who you can feel like a confidant in who doesn't really like know what her deal is and so like and you know doesn't kind of care all that much. Um, I think I think Susie just does a nice job of playing her as just like you know this this she's just, she's nice and she just wants to do well. Uh, and also it's really cute when her she like walks around with her slime sitting in her hat. Uh, I like I just like that character detail. It's like this is this is nice. Good use good use of your good use of your costume design there. And uh, Emily Emily's just really sweet as Ryoma. Just he just wants he just wants to do well. He's now he's now out there in the world and he's talking to people, and he has some modicum of power. And now he wants to just be better than the way he was treated. Uh, and she's just and Emily just plays him so like just sweet and adorable and kind and just wanting to do what is actually the best for everyone. Um, you know, hey, you got a bunch of grime in your in your basement. Like I can help with that. Like no no skin off my nose. Sure, go ahead. That sucks. Let's fix it. Um, it's just, it's just a really just, like, nice, gentle performance from, throughout the show. Uh, also, kudos to Chris Rager for just, just really selling the exhaustion that he was feeling before he got isekai'd. He just, he sounds so tired all the time. You can, you can feel the bags, you can feel the bags under his eyes. It's, it's, it's a good performance, even if, like, those are probably the most depressing parts of this show. Especially the bit where he's talking about, like, yeah, I used to live with my mom, and then she died really suddenly, and then she just wasn't there anymore. I was not expecting strong emotions in my cute show about slime laundries. I'm gonna be honest with you. It it took me for took me for a bit. Um, but yeah, literally, Emily and Susie are just they're just like really adorable together. I think their chemistry as their characters is really nice. Like this is a very this is just a very like sweet low key show, and I think their their performances help bolster that. Um, this is a, it's a nice show where you want nice things to happen to nice people. And it does that. And sometimes that's what you need in the world. And I enjoyed it a lot. So, um, <clears throat> sorry. My throat kind of hurts. No worries. Uh, I'm also very, I'm also very thirsty in the actual sense, not the sexy sense. Uh. <laughs> um, you have to say, I have to preface that because people will think it. Um, so I will start with Susie. I think Susie was fantastic as uh, Jabil. Jibril? No. Illyria. Illyria? The lady. Uh, she is adorable. She is sweet. She sounds like such a perfect, cute little girl. Like, 
she, they're both Emily and Susie, I think, are two of the more exceptional people who can play children and, and adults, especially Emily, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, I think that she does this level of just being absolutely sweet and tender, but also insecure and amazed by the world. I absolutely love the scene where she, um, she gets all of the, uh, burbs to come. Just because, you know, just also be, fuck that one guy who's like, fucking birds not coming here, I'm gonna stab your ass! Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, so, yeah, I'm sorry you're, uh, what was he, what was he playing, like a flute or something? The flute? Yeah, I'm sorry you're, yeah. First sorry of you're all, a shitty flautist, dude. <laughs> I mean, okay. That scene where he's playing the flute really badly, you know what it reminded me what? of? What? You know that viral video of the guy trying to play the Jurassic Park theme on the melodica? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same energy. Same energy. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to make time for you. <laughs> and then, of course, like the evil one. And then I love the thing. It's like, wait, you guys are all being affected by that? Ryoma's like perfectly fine because he has no fear. <laughs> Except for the business, except for being cracked down on being a shitty boss. I I, I forgot um, to mention that is probably my favorite scene with Ryoma, just because it says so much about his character that that is the thing he's most concerned about. Not himself, not dying, but oh my some god, I've been a shitty boss. Just showing up. We've, we've we've received some very disturbing reports from some of your employees about how you've been treating them. <laughs> Uh, but like I think she's just got this really sweet cutesy energy that really balances itself out against uh, Emily's take on Rioma who is very unfazed by a lot of things and understates a lot of Rioma's surprise like yeah I'm supposed to be amazed by this like okay it's the scene where they, they get to sense the world as a pigeon and he's just like this is like VR <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? You're not wrong, but just because you're right doesn't mean you're correct. Um, and just Emily plays him so well, and he does sound like a prepubescent teenage boy. That is the one thing I will say. Like, Ryoma's balls probably haven't dropped. His slimes have not multiplied, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, oh god, I realize it's a horrible metaphor. I am so sorry to the both of you. What? Um... It's alright. Because they, they tear apart, that's why. And that's just not a sensation I think you want to feel. Um, but I, I really like his take, and I think Chris Rager does a really good job as the older Ryoma, especially when he's just like, well, okay, I died. But he's more angry about how he died and not that he is dead. And I think Chris really delivers on the scene with his mom, which I watched on my mom's birthday. Oh, no. That's only the second worst decision I've ever made. But the first bad decision of uh, seeing a show on a day is I watched How to Train Your Dragons 2 on Father's Day. Oh, 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 oh no. <laughs> Anybody who's seen that movie understands why that was a bad idea. And my friend did not warn me about that when we saw it, because she had saw the movie the day before, and I looked at her, I'm like, what the fuck? And she's like, I'm so sorry! Uh, but no, Emily is such the standout, I think, in this entire dub. She really carries a lot of it effortlessly on her shoulders. 
Um, Ari, I, Emily, I think, is by far one of the best actresses who does little kid voices. Like, especially young, young children, like Ari and My Hero, Ryoma, uh, definitely counts towards this. Um, I have so much praise to say, and it's really hard to explain because you just need to watch the show for what it is. It's a very comfortable performance, and it's a very warm and loving and childlike performance for a show that is just a wholesome power fantasy, and it's a wholesome performance. Uh, so let's just move on to final thoughts from there, guys. Yeah. Um, so in all honesty, like, this feels like one of the easier isekai shows for me to recommend to people. Um, kind of up there in the same echelon as that time I got reincarnated as a slime or Grimgar. Um, it is just comfy and warm and it... And, you know, I I remember the complaints as the show aired about with people saying that, you know, oh, it's, it's boring. It's, you know, like nothing really happens in the course of the show and there's really no character development, which really there actually is a lot of character development, but um, I... I really do kind of like these sorts of shows that set up a world and really kind of delve into how it works. Sort of, you know, a, a good example of this would be like Spice and Wolf, which, oh my god, would I love to do an episode on Spice and Wolf one of these days. <laughs> Economics. I have never actually seen it all the way through, so I am a good person mm. for that. And I've owned it for years. Uh but, yeah, the, uh, I feel like this is sort of the isekai equivalent to, like, a Spice and Wolf, where you're getting more of the economics of the world. Uh, and, obviously, as I've, as I've said in other segments, I would absolutely love to see a second season of this happen at some point. Uh, if this is all we get, that's okay with me as well, because uh, it ended on a really kind of... A really sweet and maybe a little somber note. But I actually like the show a little more than I thought I would for an episode that really kind of came together at the spur of a moment. Um, so, and in terms of dub, also, um, it's considering the sort of last four episodes were just kind of dropped all at once. Um, I'm really curious to know the how the production of this came together because it's pretty solid from start to end. Um, so, in general, I really like this show. The dub's really solid. Um, I, I would find... There are isekai shows that I would have a harder time recommending to people. Uh, so give this a check out. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Like, I I, I I tend not to watch a lot of isekai shows, partially because I'm lazy, and there's a lot of anime out there. Uh, and also just a lot of it's like, eh, this doesn't sound all that interesting. I think I'll go watch No Guns Life, which is about a man with a gun with a head. <laughs> something that's much more up my alley. Um, but I really enjoyed this. Like, this this does feel like something I would easily recommend to people. I My, my youngest sister is getting an anime lately, and if she came to, like, hey, is there an isekai show you'd recommend? This feels like something I could, like, point her towards that I, you know, feel like she would enjoy. 
Um, and I just like it. Like it's very, it feels very low key, which I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of people when it started out probably confused for boring. But I kind of like low key stuff sometimes. Not everything needs to be big and grandiose. I like that it's just kind of about like, here's a fantasy setting, and there's just some kind of some mundane stuff that happens. Like, hey, adventurers need to get their clothes clean. How does that work? Uh, hey, like, we're, hey, like, sometimes, you know, just a hole opens up and you're all and a bunch of garbage spills in. Who deals with that? Like, I kind of like stuff that's very much about, like, here's just kind of behind-the-scenes mechanics in this fantastical world that you never really think about and people don't really write about. And I, I, I appreciate stuff that does that because I find it interesting. I think the show, like, makes that, it does make that interesting. And I think it also just feels very sweet. Uh, like, I... It's nice watching a show where somebody is good at something and when presented with their hard work to other people, it's like, hey, this is a really good job. Good job, man. Good job. I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's very nice. It's very cozy. And I, pre and like, I just appreciate that. And I think the dub, like, really captures that aspect of it really well. It was just a very, it was a nice, relaxing watch. And I, uh, you know, I, just, I enjoyed that aspect of it a lot. It's good. Yeah, no, this is a show that I, I... I genuinely, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I had seen the first episode of it as a preview at the Funimation Con back in July, and I thought, oh, it's cute, and then it got dubbed, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch it eventually. Uh, I think is it's dubby eligible for this year, of all things? Yes. I think it came out, yeah, because it came out in October. All, so congrats. All fall shows are, have been moved to eligibility. Duh, year, right. It, yeah, it wouldn't have counted anyway, because it started in October. I'm dumb. Uh, so... It was a very cute, warm show, and the dub is very cute and warm. Do I think it might be one of the best of the year for the dubbies? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that I think might outdo this, but it, could this end up on a lot of people's underrated lists? Honestly, yes. Uh, I would love to see the show continue. I think the cast definitely deserves uh, more of a chance to continue these characters. It's a very sweet show, and I think the dub has a lot of heart like the show has a lot of heart. And this is an isekai show that I definitely feel a lot more comfortable watching. Um, I made my complaints earlier in this episode about Jobless Reincarnation, and that's because a lot of isekai are just very hard to watch. And I, I genuinely suggest watching a video by someone named Neuralities. uh, which I think I'm gonna see if whoever puts this episode up can link that in the description below about... It's called uh, Why I'm Tired of Modern Isekai. And I think that a lot of that video genuinely like sums it up for, for how I feel, especially uh, some sections towards the end. Because the one thing I, I really want to compliment this show in general is, is that there are maybe like two boob jokes in like a 12 episode show. And like at no point is uh, Susie's character ever like put into a really gross situation. Like I think a lot of other isekai tend to do and it's just a very wholesome good time and like i'd feel comfortable showing this to like my mom and i think she would enjoy it and i think she would enjoy the dub so if you'd like to watch the dub or just uh by the grace of the gods in general you can head over to funimation.com uh and sign up for the 14 day free trial just be aware that they will take your money at the end uh they will take your money at the end of it so there's that if you're interested in going beyond the story that the anime presents by the grace of the gods, you can pick up the light novel from our friends at J Novel Club, as well as the manga from Square Enix Manga. Uh, if you like anything that we do, we are the Funimation. We are the. We are not the Funimation podcast. <laughs> uh, Feels like it sometimes. 
Look, if the other dubbing studios want to put more things out as much as Funimation does, we will cover them more, but... I mean, if if Crunchyroll would like to put their fucking cast yeah, list on things with directors and writers... Yeah, that's... That's I mean, the like, there. We, you know, if uh, Crunchyroll wants to, like, you know, credit people besides the uh, officially credit people and not leave it to their uh, actors to do so, that would be nice. Uh... But we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on Twitter, YouTube, uh, Twitch, where we do actually start streaming things. Uh, I'm pretty much yeah. If you're if you're watching this now, you've probably caught me playing uh, Pokemon Sword and Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Uh, if you'd like to donate to us as a one-time thing, we do have a Kofi in the link below. But if you would like to support us on the regular, we do have a lovely Patreon with our five. And uh, if you donate, a, if you uh, subscribe for a certain amount, uh, God, why do I have like acid reflux today? God, um, there needs to be an anti-acid reflux line uh, for our five-dollar tier patrons, which you can get a shout out in the video. We have my mom and dad, because uh, I'm Megan, and I'm not gonna say Megan's mom and dad, but they're here. Michelle Travelis, the trap net Travelis, sorry, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie hands, Sue Tweedy, and Victor Mayborda. Our ten dollar Patreons: Carly Lestacal, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J Two, aka Jared, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Uh, gentlemen, where can we find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me on the twitter.com at Roots of Justice. My name is Patrick, by the way. Um, I'm mainly um, post-geed animal pics, talk general fandom stuff. Good time. You should come see me. Um, I'm also kind of working low-key on some solo stuff. Um, I actually do have a very good idea on how this is going to work. It is just going to be a very slow burn process of getting it together. Uh, when I finally get it together, because it's probably going to be video-related, um, it'll probably end up on my YouTube page, and it will probably be promoted through my Twitter. So, go to my Twitter, and you'll find out more about that. And I'm Amon. You can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS, uh, where I talk about movies and comic books and music and stuff like that. You may also find me on the Twitch channel in the future, if I can figure out how to get streaming software set up and uh, a particularly like day and time I can consistently stream on. I'll probably be doing either visual novel stuff or dipping into the world of Yeast, the beloved Japanese RPG franchise with the really hard to pronounce name. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of music, I have a dusty old song if you'd like. Right, yes! So this, is, this is a very, for immediately this show felt very, very comfy and it got me on a circuitous chain of events like what, what what's the kind of music that feels like it encapsulates this sort of just calm feeling and i thought all right it's sort of like ambient new age music right then i thought if you're gonna go there why settle for something why settle for small time no no if you're going to go there there's only one place you can go as anyone who had to stay up really late in the 90s know you go for pure moods yeah. If, you, if you've not looked at the the track list of the first Pure Moods compilation in a while, there is the talent here. Jan Hammer is on here. Jean Michael Jarre is My on here. My father owns several Pure Moods albums. Brian Eno is on here. Two two Ennio Morricone songs. Riccio Sakamoto. Uh, the theme from Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me by Angelo Baldamenti. There's also a Kenny G song, but we won't hold that against them. Kenny G's. Kaiji seems at least like an okay dude if I hate his music, so that's fine. 
<laughs> Little Fluffy Clouds by the Orb is on here, a Stone Cold Classic. But if you're going to pick one song from here, why why settle just right there at track five? Orinoco Flow by Enya. Probably the song that will go down as history is like, what does New Age sound like? It sounds like this. I think I know it, that song, but I also might. So today I am. Uh, it, it is, have you ever heard a song where a where a a very, a very lush background where woman chants "Sail away" a lot? Maybe. If you if you listen to it and you've heard it before, you will recognize it very quickly. Okay, cool. It it, it is it is it is very likely a song that you even heard like in a shopping mall somewhere and just never knew what it was. Is it like is that that song used in those like craft mac and cheese commercials? Maybe. Probably yes. You know what? If you if. It's like the da 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 da. Is that that? Song? Oh no no no. Okay no, it's not that song. It's like a harp playing, and then you just hear the chanting, "Sail away, sail away, sail yeah, away." Oh, that, that, that song. One. Insert the Pope go. I get it. She doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, check that out because it's good. All right. So with that said, we are done here. It is time to retire, do some laundry. And just with that, everybody, have a great night in Otaku on, my friends. Otaku on the Devon Boston, Rock on Chicago.